welcome everybody to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am charged up about today's show. We have an excellent guest on today, and our topic is going to be squeeze every penny out of the IRS with our tax expert, Dan Pilla. We're counting down the days till the final tax deadline for this year. Actually, you have a couple extra days this year than, than normal. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. Um, if you have, before I get into the show, if you happen to have missed last week's show, we were talking about uh, the Match.com survey with 5,000 singles. We dug into this survey to see if uh, it really shows current trends or is it hype to get you to buy their service. We were on with my guest, Terry L. Steele, so you won't want to miss that from last week. You can listen to me uh, either live or on archive on demand with my new mobile app. All you have to do is go to... Uh, in the search bar, go to Linda Gross or the Men's Advocate Show, and that will uh, it will pull that up for you, and you can listen live. Also on the Listen Live button, you can hit the Call Now button and talk to our guest right away. Um, if you don't have the mobile app yet, you, our call-in number is 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951-922-3532. Thirty-two. All right, so what are we going to talk about today? We are talking about the top tips for 2016 to get every deduction you're entitled to. We're going to go over common mistakes taxpayers make. Are you delayed in paying your taxes? What is step one? Where are you going to start? And when to graduate to an accounting application or to a CPA and much, much more. So we're on here uh, with our guest, Dan J. Pila. He's the leading tax litigator and author of 14 self-help books on IRS and tax issues. Um, I'm going to post on my Facebook fan page the name of his book and the link. It's called IRS Problem Solver. That's IRS Problem Solver. So you can see that on my Facebook fan page at the end of the show. The fan page is easy to remember. Same name as the show, the Men's Advocate page. All right. So let's hop on with uh, Dan Pila. Welcome, Dan, to our show. Hey, thanks for having me, Linda. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you. All right, so let's get into some of these common things that are going on. You know, I often hear about the uh, taxpayer who has somehow gotten into trouble. Maybe they were self-employed at one point. And, you know, sometimes to be self-employed, to pay all the... uh, you know, the schedules, it does rack up. You might rack up a five to $800 bill, and then all of a sudden the business goes under, and now the following year he can't afford uh, to pay a CPA to file those returns. And the returns are so complicated that it's very difficult for the average person to figure things out. So for the person that might fit in this category that's delayed paying returns for years and years and years, What's step one? Where should he or she start? Well, step one has got to be to get current, Linda. I mean, you're, you hit the nail on the head with small businesses. They have a uh, they have a, a unique uh, series of demands that are put on them every year, not the least of which is to pay the estimated payments for their tax liabilities on a quarterly basis. You know, wage earners have the money taken out of their paycheck every month, at least most of them do, but self-employed people have to write that check. And so it gets uh, it gets uh, difficult for sure, and, and folks fall behind. So the, the single most important thing to do is to get current. What I mean by that is that is this. You've got to file the delinquent tax returns, even if you don't have the money to pay the taxes when we're talking about uh 2016 here now you know we're, we're a week away from the filing deadline a little more than a week away from the filing deadline now uh a lot of folks will will not file their 2016 tax returns because they don't have the money to pay linda that's a mistake it's a serious mistake to do that you need to file the return even if you don't have the money to pay because if you don't file the return the irs will add the failure to file penalty to the failure to pay penalty penalty and that adds insult to injury in a big way because that failure to file penalty is up to 25% of the tax so it's wow. pretty substantial 
The wow. next thing you have to do, Linda, is you've got to start making your estimated payments for 2017. This is Pilla's first rule of tax debt management, and that is this. <laughs> if you've got the money to pay the back taxes or money to pay the current taxes, but not both, never pay the back taxes. You've got to pay the current taxes, in this case, 2017, even at the expense of the back tax liability, and here's why. If you're current with your return filings and your estimated payments, the IOS will play ball with you on the delinquent stuff. If you're not current on the on the uh, uh, the current tax liability, if you're not making your current tax payments, they aren't going to negotiate with you on the delinquent stuff, and it doesn't matter how much you how much or how little you owe them. So you've got to get current. That's the most important thing. Got it. And put the current year ahead in priority versus the former years. Correct. That's right. Got, gotcha. All right. So I was reading that more than 25 million people this year could face tax audits, assessments, or worse. And, you know, with about 135 million returns filed each year, that's roughly almost 20%. So what kind of dangers do people face, do uh, the taxpayers face in making mistakes or, or goodness knows they don't file at all? Well, you, you know, what are you some of the about, common things that the IRS are, are looking for? Yeah, sure. Let, let, let's talk about these 25 million people. Most of these people are delinquent on their taxes, right? So most of these folks owe money to the IRS they can't pay. But on, on top of that, Linda, you've got uh, the tax audits. Now, there aren't necessarily 25 million face-to-face tax audits. Uh, that's for sure. But there's tens of millions of people that go through computerized audits where the IRS mails you a bill and says, you know, dear Mr. and Mrs. Smith, we looked at your tax return for the year uh, 2015 and we found a mistake, but don't worry, we fixed it. And then they send you a bill for 2500 bucks. Uh, you know, this goes on, as I said, millions of times every year. And, th- and there's all kinds of different mistakes that people make on their tax returns. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the most common mistakes we see in the audit environment is that, is that people simply do not have the correct records they need to prove the deductions they claimed on their tax return. Here's a very important thing for your listeners to understand, and that is this. In any audit situation, really in any civil situation you're dealing with with the IRS, when I mean, what I mean by that is any dollars and cents issue that you're talking about, the burden of proof is on the taxpayer. The IRS almost never has to prove that you made a mistake. You as the taxpayer have to prove that you did it right. And so when the IRS challenges your tax return, you got to have the records, and about two-thirds of every taxpayer that goes through an audit has problems with their records. So now is the time when you're preparing your 2016 return to make sure that you got the documents in order to prove what deductions you put on 2016. Because the IRS is not going to audit 2016 next month or, or probably even next year. They've got three years from the date the return is filed to audit it. And normally that might happen two or three years, you know, two or two and a half years into the process. And so, you know, you're not going to remember everything clearly uh, to Two years from now so organize it now before you file the return so i think what you're saying to summarize is don't wait till april 15 to see if you have the proper deduction uh, pr- proper paperwork i should say you should do it as you go so if if you're entitled to a deduction may of 2016 if you don't have all the paperwork together that's when to go follow through and get it. For example, if you sold your house or maybe you, you bought a new house and you paid points and you realize, hey, the mortgage company didn't give me proof that I pay points. So that's the time to get the uh, proper paperwork, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah that's, exact, that's exactly right, Lenny. You're precisely right. And, and we could take it a step farther particularly with respect to charitable contributions, because there's a special rule with charitable contributions. If you make a contribution of $250, I'm talking about a one-time contribution now, not talking about a total of contributions over the course of the year. But if you make a one-time contribution of $250 or more to any any given charitable organization, you got to have what they call a contemporaneous acknowledgement in order to claim that deduction. And contemporaneous acknowledgement is a letter from the organization that says what you gave, how much money you gave, and whether you got anything of value back from them in exchange for your gift. Now, it's called contemporaneous, Linda, because you got to have the documents on or before the due date of the tax return, and it's not good enough to get them a year later if you're audited. You have to have the stuff <laughs> ahead of time. 
Darn the luck. Now, what about cash contributions? Let's say you're, you know, with a re- religious affiliation and they're passing around the, the tithing uh, basket. What do you do about cash uh, deductions? Well, any cash contribution of more than $20, you got to have a receipt for. So what happens with a lot of these churches now uh, is, you know, when they circulate their uh, their basket at, uh, at offering time, they've got the blank receipts in there. Uh, or you can ask for one if you give your cash contribution. But you got to have a got to have a receipt. Got it. So if you're making something that's more than the $20, your advice would be go to the church office or the synagogue office after the service and do it then so you get a receipt. Yeah, do it that way or or write a check. Gotcha. All right. Makes sense. All right. So um, what about... Uh, the the new taxpayer. Let's you know a great majority of taxpayers are getting W two income. When is the time for that young taxpayer to finally graduate to a computer software program, or even better, graduate to a CPA? When when is that dividing line? Well, that's a good question. As far as the CPA is concerned, well, let's, let's work backwards. As far as the CPA is concerned, you know, if, if you've got just a, uh, if, if you've got any complicating circumstances to your situation, if you, if you own a house, if you've got rental property, if you've got uh, interest and dividends that you're getting from some third-party source, investments, those kinds of things, certainly if you've got your own small business, if you operate a farm, uh, if you participate in, in, in uh, a partnership or an LLC, any of those kinds of things, Linda, uh, you know, add complexity to the tax return at a high level, and they do it very quickly, and you should consult tax professional CPA or an enrolled agent uh, at that stage of the game for your situation. If you're a garden variety wage earner and you're just using a short form, 1040A or 1040EZ, they're pretty simple, especially with the computer software that's available out there. The commercial software for preparing these returns is pretty easy to do. And and so the only question, you know, I, I think I think the person has got to ask themselves the question, you know, am I am I studying enough about this to, to, to give myself a level of confidence to get through it. Again, the 1040A and 1040EZ are pretty simple, and, and, and so it shouldn't, it shouldn't take that much to get through those things, especially with, this, with the commercial software we've got available now. But if you're not comfortable, I mean, if you're going through this stuff and you've got questions and you're not sure, you know, don't take a chance because there's over 150 different penalty provisions in the tax code, and the IRS is not shy about using those penalties, and they do so with reckless abandon. You know, last year alone, there's about 37 million penalties assessed against individuals and businesses, you know, to the tune of a couple of billion dollars a year. So this is a, this is a huge problem, and, and you need to do your best to avoid the penalties. Absolutely. And, you know, we have to look at the cost-benefit factor because oftentimes I hear listeners say something like, oh, you know, why should I spend $200 for an accountant when I can just do it myself? But what they don't realize is by doing so, hey, that accountant might save you $2,000 in taxes. Oh, that's, that's very possible, Linda, particularly if you've got some complicating factors to your situation. Again, if you own a home or if you're making substantial charitable contributions or you've got unreimbursed employee expenses, things that you've got to pay for out of your pocket in order to do your job that your employer doesn't cover. Again, if you're self-employed, any of these things, if you've got rental property especially, you know, you, you're just as the average person aren't going to know necessarily, you know, what all of the benefits and deductions are that are available to you. I can give you general rules, and, and certainly you can look up on the internet and get general new rules, but unless you've got somebody with experience in that area, you're taking a chance of losing money. Absolutely. Let's uh, divert our attention now to Schedule A. I know there's a lot of people who um, are W-2 wage earners, and they don't know about this section called Schedule A. Hey, maybe you need to buy work boots. Maybe you need to buy a uniform that your employer doesn't reimburse you for. Talk about Schedule A and how that wage earner can, uh, you know, squeeze more pennies out of that dollar. 
Yeah, Schedule A has got about five or six general things on it, Linda. First of all, is the charitable contributions that we mentioned. Secondly, is medical expenses. If you're, you know, if you're a wage earner, you've got your health insurance. If you're paying for it, you've got out-of-pocket medical costs, co-pays, prescriptions, uh, you know, over-the-counter medications, those kinds of things that are necessary to treat a specific condition that you have. All of those things could be tax deductible, depending on your income level. Uh, in order to be deductible, the uh, medical expenses have to exceed uh, 10% of your adjusted gross income, but you also have local taxes that you pay, uh, your state income taxes, if you've got uh, local real estate taxes, sales taxes, those things are deductible on Schedule A. And, and then also the unreimbursed expenses, the things that you mentioned, uh, if you have to buy work boots, a lot of virtually everybody these days, Linda, has to incur continuing education expenses to maintain uh -huh. their job. Uh, if they're Particularly if they're a licensed professional, like a nurse or somebody like that, that has to maintain continuing education in order to keep their job. Those are expenses that are generally not reimbursed that could be deductible on the tax return. And so you've got to look at all those things. Investment expenses. You know, maybe you don't have a business, but you've got an IRA or a 401k, uh, or you've got separate investments and you have to incur expenses uh, to maintain those investments. You know, those could be deductible as well. Got it. Yeah, there's, it's action-packed, that section, and a lot of benefits in, in it for the average user. All right, let's talk about what is the current state of the tax code? It seems like every year we get a million more papers added to the tax code. Is there any way to make it better? Is there any way to go? Is there any merit going to a flat tax? Would that ever happen? Well, let's talk about the current state of the code. You know, you, you, the, the tax code now consists of about 4 million words, Linda, oh. and, and it's been changed. Now, now, get this. This is an absolute rock-solid statistic uh, given to us by the National Taxpayer Advocate. The tax code has been changed approximately 5,700 times since Whoa. 2001. So the, the, the scope of the code is one thing. That's bad enough. But the number of times that we see tax law changes, you know, 500 changes a year, basically, uh, year in and year out, nonstop, is driving people crazy. The, the, the complexity of the tax code is, is, is perennially the number one biggest concern that taxpayers have. It's almost always number one on the national taxpayers list of the most serious problems that taxpayers have dealing with the IRS, and Congress refuses to simplify the tax code. In my opinion, Linda, a flat tax will not simplify the tax code. What we've got to do is abolish the IRS and the income tax entirely and go to a national retail sales tax properly structured. That will eliminate the tax code lock, stock, and barrel. It will eliminate the IRS. It will eliminate all the problems we have with the tax laws. It will. It is the only way to provide relief for these 25 million people that are struggling with tax debts they can't pay. Those problems don't go away under a flat tax. You still got to pay the tax. And if you're in a position like most of these people are in, where they have to make a choice between paying their taxes and feeding their families, a flat tax doesn't help that. Right. It's sort of like a catch-22, uh, legislatively speaking. I think ha this is how it goes. Correct me if I'm wrong. Our Congress people would have to initiate that flat, flat tax. And since it's not to their best interest, they don't want to. Yeah, you're exactly right. The, the, the Internal Revenue so, Code is a product of, of Congress, no question about it. You know, the IRS gets a bad rap when it comes to the uh, enforcing the tax laws, but in all fairness to the IRS, it's not them, but in all fairness to the IRS, Linda, they're handed a, a piece of work from Congress that they're supposed to enforce and administer. And, and when Congress changes the law 500 times a year, that puts the IRS at a serious disadvantage. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, <laughs> I think we need a groundswell. It needs to come, I, I don't know, like one of the areas that I work on is uh, men's laws, men's rights, and uh, I work with uh, people who are trying to overturn and amend the lifetime alimony. And so I know in my state, in California, in order to do that, they needed 400,000 signatures on the ballot, 400,000 signatures 
signatures to get it on the ballot, get that initiative on the ballot. So I wish we could do something like that, you know, from a ground level, from the people level, to say, look, we're sick and tired of the IRS. It's too complicated. It only benefits the rich, and we definitely need a change. But once again, it's like we have to rely on our state legislators to allow that to happen. So it's really a horrible catch-22. That is. It's, it's a difficult thing for sure. And, and Congress is not going to change the law because it's the right thing to do. I've maintained for years. In fact, I've been at the forefront of the tax uh, of the tax reform movement for, for decades. I wrote a book in 1992, no longer in print, unfortunately, called How to Fire the IRS, that started the, the debate on whether to abolish the IRS and go to a retail sales tax or some other alternative. And, you know, I used to believe that the Congress was going to do the right thing for the right reason at some point in time. I've disabused myself of that naivete uh, by this time in my life. And I've come to, I've come to believe that they're only going to do the, the right thing when they're forced to and there's no other option. And, and in my opinion, what's going to happen is when this tax law becomes unenforceable, then and only then will Congress change the law. And, and it's and it's starting to become unenforceable. We got millions of people that can't that, that don't file their returns every year. We got millions of people that can't pay their taxes. There's tens of millions of penalties assessed every year. Uh, you know, the IRS is, is is screwing itself into the ground trying to chase unreported income that they can't find. It's a it's a monstrous system, Linda. And for those folks that are struggling with this system, they need relief now they can't wait for congress to act and that's where my book how to get tax amnesty comes into play and that's what's going to help these people reduce or eliminate debts they can't pay now right I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think it's going to have to get to a state of unenforceability. It's sort of like, you know, when you have a, an intersection and it keeps having accident after car accident after car accident, and finally they change the signals or they change the left turn signals or whatever to accommodate to lessen <laughs> those fatalities in that intersection. It's it's going to have to kind of be like that, I think. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately it's true, yeah. So what would you say are the most common sorts of audits or assessments? Well, the, the common source of, of, of unpaid assessments, Linda, is, is there, there's really two of them. People file the tax returns and they don't pay the taxes they owe because they don't have the money. And the second common source of, of, uh, of delinquent assessments is somebody goes through a tax audit and they end up owing money to the IRS that they never expected to owe. That is what drives the enforcement machine. And, and this is really the, uh, you know, the hardcore part of the IRS because when you owe money to the IRS, they've got tremendous enforcement. Power, tremendously powerful enforcement tools such as wage levy and bank levy and tax lien. And you need to know what your rights are when you're dealing with that to minimize those things. For example, the most important right that I think taxpayers have in dealing with the collection situation is called the collection due process appeal. When you submit that appeal that's in, in a timely manner, that stops the IRS in, a tr in its tracks. They can't levy or seize anything while that appeal is pending. And now your case goes in front of the appeals office who's written job description is negotiate a settlement with the taxpayer. So that gives you an, an opportunity then to propose some alternative to collection that you can live with. Absolutely. Let's talk a second about uh, health care uh, insurance. Let's say you're self-employed. Uh, what types of things can you uh, deduct? And also for um, people who might have uh, been incurring penalties because they missed the train on the Affordable Health Care Act and hadn't signed up. Talk about those two areas. Well, yeah, there's there's uh, there's a lot of confusion with the Affordable Care Act right now because you know Congress had in front of it the uh, American Health Care Act here, which uh, which was pulled from the House floor just a week ago or so, uh, but it was proposed and there were provisions in the American Health Care Act that would have repealed the two different penalties in the Affordable Care Act. And as a matter of fact, when uh, when uh, Trump took office. Uh, in January, the first executive order that he signed on January the 20th was an executive order asking administrative agencies to, quote, unquote, use their discretion with respect to Affordable Care Act penalties because it was the goal of the administration to repeal the Affordable Care Act. And so a lot of people have it on their head right now, Linda, that because of that, in, uh, because of that executive order that the penalties are no longer going to be assessed, and that's not true. And the reason for that is the two penalties in the Affordable Care Act uh, there's, there's really one penalty and a surtax. The penalty is the uh, is the shared responsibility payment. The surtax is not not even a surtax. It's a it's a it's a uh, refund that you have to pay back 
of an advanced premium care credit if you if you got if you made too much money and 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 now the now the premium credit doesn't apply to you anymore it applies at a limited state those two those two penalties i'll call them penalties for simplification purposes are statutory they're written in the law and they're effective and the irs is enforcing them and the irs does not have the discretion despite the president's executive order to not enforce the law because, be pre precisely because it's a statutory provision. So, you know, you're not going to see the IRS overlooking these two penalties this year just because of that executive order. Gotcha. If you've recently joined us, you're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. You're on with our tax expert, Dan J. Pila. You can find him at TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Also check out uh, this book, The IRS Problem Solver. Uh, you'll see both of these links on my Facebook fan page as well as his as his many other books. Dan, I know you have to run. Thank you so much for joining us. Come back anytime when you have some new IRS updates for us. I will look forward to it, Linda. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dan. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you've currently joined us, you're listening to the Men's Advocate Show. Call us at 951-922-3532. We are going to catch you right back after the commercial break, and we'll carry on with this topic. Hey guys, do you have a nagging problem that you just can't get a handle on? Now you can talk to an expert coach right in the privacy of your own home. Meet in person, over the phone, or with a free Skype call anywhere in the world. Linda is here to make it easy for you. Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Linda's expert advice gets you through tackling relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and removing lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back, usually handled in four sessions or less. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's themensadvocate.com slash coaching. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women, too. Google KMET Advocate and save to your favorites every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. We proudly rejoin our programming with The Men's Advocate Show with your host, Linda Gross. On KMET, 1490 AM, Smart Talk. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Call us on today's topic. We are talking about how to squeeze every penny out of the IRS. We just recently had our tax expert on, Dan Pilla. He had to run off and do another show. But anyway, I'm here. I'm happy to take your questions and comments. I'm not a CPA, but I know a little bit about it, and uh, perhaps we can steer you in the right direction. So call us at 951-922-3532, 951-922-3532, or better yet, call me on my new mobile app. All you have to do is go to the Google Play Store or iTunes, download the mobile app onto your phones, 
And then the way that you would search for it is just type in Linda Gross and it should come up, either Linda Gross or the Men's Advocate Show, and it should come up. So you can listen uh, listen live, and then within the Listen Live category, there's a Call Now button. So I want to see if that button works. I want, I'm waiting for somebody to call that button. All right, so let's get back into this topic, shall we? You know, you have a few extra days this year because... April 15 happens to fall on a Saturday. So for some crazy reason, you have until April 18. So, you know, before you stress out too much, you can breathe a little easier for a couple of days. And the reason why that is is because of a couple of quirky laws that are on the books. So it turns out that if April 15 falls on a weekend or a legal holiday, then it goes to the next day. Um, and then if it falls on a Sunday, uh, Sunday, April 16, this, is, this happens to be Emancipation Day in Washington, D.C., which marks President Lincoln's uh, 1862 signing of the law freeing slaves. So the IRS deadline is delayed on April 16. So then you go to Monday, April 17. Um, but if the holiday will be observed on this day, if the Lincoln holiday will be observed on this day, then it goes to the next weekday along with the tax codes. See how that is? So, <laughs> so you get a couple of days extra because of that. And if you happen to be the lucky ones who live in Maine and Massachusetts, you get pushed back to April 19. So, yeah, every, every you know, 48 states are going to are gonna have the deadline be on the 18th. But apparently uh, Maine and Massachusetts have other, other state holidays that preclude them from being on the actual day. So that's what's going on. All right. Thank you for Emancipation Day. All right, so let's get back into it. We were talking about there's lots of um, uh, top tax deductions that a lot of people are just skipping or they don't know about. Probably if you're unsure, the best way to do this is really do hire a CPA and done because you know you think you're saving a few pennies here and there and meanwhile you're you're uh, draining out possibly thousands of dollars on the back end because you don't know all the different parts of the tax code so things like medical and dental expenses you can write that off as long as it exceeds 10% of your AGI tax prep fees you know, they can be written off too as long as they take up at least 2% of your AGI. How about home renovation deductions? Well, it turns out that if you make improvements to your home for, the, for medical purposes, such as adding an entrance and exit wheelchair ramp or lowering cabinets for be better accessibility, maybe you or your elders, like your parents, you need to do that because of them, then you can deduct those renovations as a medical expense. How fun is that? Now, the one that you cannot deduct is a home renovation cost, um, you know, that is to improve your property. That you can't deduct. But you can still, uh, you know, make note and save all those receipts because when you go to sell your home, then you can deduct uh, those expenses. So let's say you spent $15,000 to remodel your uh, kitchen. Save all those receipts because five years from now, when you go to sell the home, instead of claiming that you made you know, a $100,000 profit, you can claim 100000 minus the $15,000 in the renovations. So that's all good. How about job searching expenses yep keep those receipts too so um, if you had to pay a headhunter or perhaps you had to buy certain um, uniforms or outfits or had to 
had to go to a resume service or whatever those expenses might be, you can, you know, deduct some of those things. So keep track of those receipts. How about moving? Um, yes, you can. Let's say you're uh, relocating for a new job. And let's say you have to fly to another city and the cost of lodging, um, but not the meals, but the cost of lodging for yourself and for other household members is deductible. How about that? So, and if you're self-employed, like we were mentioning earlier, um, if you, it, you can deduct premiums for uh, that you paid for medical and dental insurance as well as for qualified long-term care insurance. So, yep, that insurance category is a big one. Legal fees. Did you know that you can deduct certain legal fees related to doing or keeping your job or collecting taxable uh, alimony or any fees dealing with tax advice? Uh, again, your deductions must be at least 2% of your AGI. AGI means adjusted gross income. Now, how about casualty, disaster, and theft losses. Um, those losses related to your home, household items, and vehicles that aren't covered by insurance are deductible. Wow. So um, not all hope is lost. So if your insurance only covers a certain percentage or a certain amount, um, anything that exceeds what the insurance paid, you can write those off. And in certain circumstances, with, bru with proof, you can actually even write off gambling debts. Who knew? But, you know, like we were mentioning earlier, you have to keep a paper trail uh, before, during, and after this happens. Don't wait until April 15 to figure out, oh, well, you know, I had a $10,000 gambling loss. No, no. You want to make sure that you have uh, the withdrawal receipts and that you went to the, the casino and you cashed it in for chips, maybe got a receipt at the cage or something like that. You have to prove that you know, this money specifically was used for this gambling expense. All right. How about uh, a dependent care flexible spending account? So if you have a dependent, um, it lets you set aside pre-tax money for expenses related to the caring of a child, a disabled spouse, parent, um, or other mentally or physically handicapped dependents. So you're able to contribute up to $5,000 towards a flexible spending account every year. And the amount that you contribute won't be taxed. So definitely look into that because that's a, a really great way. There are some things that, you know, again, are not covered by insurance and that you need a little bit more help. Um, if you set that money aside, I think at the beginning of the year, it's not subject to tax because you're using it solely for this reason. Okay. Um, student loan interest deduction. Now, you can deduct some or all of any qualified student loan interest that you paid in 2016, whichever is less, uh, either $2,500 or the amount that you actually paid. So that's a big bonus. Yeah, that interest really racks up quickly. So make sure you've got that penciled in. Now, how about a home sale? If you sold your home at a profit, you can exclude up to $250,000 as an individual or a half a million dollars for married couples that are filing jointly. So that's a huge deduction. So you want to make sure that you have all the receipts that are associated with that. And um, as I mentioned, you want to follow the escrow company, make sure they uh, send you the proper documents that show all, all the money and where it went, and so you can take um, the proper deductions. It's called a HUD-1. HUD-1 is the government form that the escrow company must give you. It, it lists about potentially 50, 60 line items on there, and some of those line items you can deduct off your taxes, like we were mentioning earlier, like points and things like that. So, uh, you know, that you definitely want to take to your accountant because uh, you will get some money back on, on that uh, home sale. 
Um, all right, next is oh, home purchase. I should say home purchase for for for, for the points. Um, well, I guess in some instances, uh, sellers pay points too. Like if it's a new first time home buyer, I know that some sellers pay the home buyer's points. So yeah, I guess you could deduct it if you're a home seller as well. Okay, inheritance tax exclusion. So uh, what that means is for 2016, the estate and gift tax exemption is a whopping $5.45 million per individual. This means that an individual can leave um, almost $5.5 million to their heirs and pay no federal or gift tax. And if you're a married couple, they'll be able to shield uh, double that amount. So just a little bit under $11 million jointly from federal estate and gift taxes. Wow. And that number has gone up tremendously. I think back in 2001, I think that number was only a million dollars. And now it's up to almost five and a half million dollars. So uh, you know, I hope you get some good luck and Aunt Tilly dies or your parents die or what have you and there's some sizable estate money in there and you get a big whopping exclusion, all right? Um, how about gift tax exclusion? So the annual exclusion for 2016 and 17 is $14,000 per child. So what does that mean exactly? It means that the parents can gift the child $14,000 per person and it's tax-free. Now, why would they do this? Well, maybe the child is buying you know, his, his or her first home. So they need that for their down payment money. So if uh, if they uh, make this contribution, mom can uh, donate fourteen thousand, and I think dad can contribute fourteen thousand. So the child actually gets uh, twenty eight thousand dollars tax free. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Check that out with your CPA. But I think it's per person, like per parent. So that's a that's a big one to take uh, advantage of. Yeah. I like that. All right. So, um, you know, like we were saying earlier, Dan is really big on getting the proper proper charitable contributions. It has to be what's called a two-way street, which means that you made a donation and the receiver um, acknowledged with a paper trail, hopefully, acknowledged your donation and nothing was sought in return. So it's just a one-way donation. So it's not like you donated a pile of old clothes and then in return you got something else because that's not a pure, the IRS doesn't see that as a pure donation. They see it as being a one-way street that you donated but you didn't get anything back in return. Okay, makes sense? All right, so let's talk about this and some other issues regarding uh, squeezing the last possible penny you can out of your tax dollar for 2016. You have a few days left here. Um, if you've recently joined our show, we are. Um, you can call us at 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951-922-3532. We'll catch you right back after the break. You've had a long day. You just want to escape the world. And you know just the place to do it. Round up your mates and head over to Henson Brewing Company, Burbank's premier craft brewery. Quality, complexity, and always easy to drink. Follow our progress and support us on Facebook and Kickstarter. Coming summer 2017. Henson Brewing Company. Come as you are. Hey guys, you've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show. Linda Gross wants you to know what turns a woman on and makes her go wild so she just can't help herself. Check out Linda's book, Mastering Women, Real Truth About Women That'll Change Your Life Forever. Linda gives you all the insider tips on how to catch a woman and if you want, to keep her. In force, these proven techniques will make women just melt. Ever wonder why the girl you really liked seemed to be great when you met, then all of a sudden just goes cold on you and turns you off? 
Linda will also let you know what not to do on a date. Never blow it again by losing another hot woman. You don't have to be good looking or even have money. Her book, Mastering Women, is available in paperback and ebook. Men, Linda's on your side. So buy her book, Mastering Women. Buy it for now. And don't keep your women waiting another minute. Get Mastering Women today. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Now back to the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross on KMET 1490 AM. Where men can be men. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Call us on today's topic. We are talking about squeezing every penny out of the IRS that you can. Earlier in the show, we had on tax expert Dan Pila. Um, He had to run off and go to another radio program, but I'm here with you, and I'm going to finish up some of the topics that we had in store for you. So call us at 951 922-3532. Again, that number is 951-922-3532. You can also um, dial us from the Call Now button on my mobile app, my new mobile app, both for uh, Android phones as well as the uh, iPhones and iPads. Um, So, so easy to do. You can uh, live stream us, and if you can't listen to the show live, you can listen on demand. Um, Yeah, so anytime you want. In addition to my mobile app, we're also on SoundCloud and TuneIn. So easy to find. All you have to do is go to Google, SoundCloud, the Men's Advocate Show, Google, SoundCloud, the Men's Advocate Show, and respectively tune in, do the same thing, and you'll be able to listen to our archive shows. So on the mobile app, you're, you're also able to get um, all my social media links and what I've got going on there, any special events that I have going. Um, you'll be able to click on my books and uh, check those out, Mastering Women for the men and hitched in 90 days for the ladies and you can take advantage of my coaching my one-on-one coaching it's all there and action-packed ready for your viewing pleasure and uh not only viewing but i want you to take action and you know if you need me call me i'm i'm right here for you also <clears throat> i want to give you um some updated events uh, coming up tomorrow, um, as you know, I am now co-hosting a show with uh, Randy Curtis. That's Randy Curtis, and that's on at 7 a.m. Uh, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, and you'll be able to find those links on my Facebook fan page as well. Uh, and then later on for tomorrow, I'm the keynote speaker uh, at the uh, Book Publicists of Southern California uh, event. And we are going to be holding our meeting at the Sportsman's Lodge right here in Studio City, California. So I'm going to be talking about how to work the uh, a book fair and how to maximize your sales um, at a book fair in case you happen to be an author. All right, so you won't want to miss that. And then coming up on April 22nd and 23rd, I will be at USC at the, at the uh, Los Angeles Times Festival of Books. This will be my third year having a booth, so please catch me there. I will sign your books in person. I will answer your questions. Uh, you can meet me. Do come by and say hello, and that is at the uh, SC campus so hope to see you then all right okay so let's get back to oh one more announcement um my upcoming show for next week this is going to be for april the 12th next week 3 p.m pacific 
uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time is my very special guest, Dr. Warren Farrell, and we're going to talk about equal pay for women. Is it deserved or not? Uh, you know, I think a lot of women want the equal pay, but they aren't willing to jump through the extra hoops to get the equal pay. So is this fair? Should we have legislation that just makes everything equal, um, irrespective of education, experience, risk level, and some other things that we're going to talk about? So, yeah, you won't want to miss that show. That's with uh, Dr. Warren Farrell coming up next week. All right, so let's hop back into our topic here. We were talking about... um, you know, squeezing every penny out of the IRS that you can. Why not? They take your money. They take your money all year long. Um, you know, so time to get that money back. In fact, you should not get a big giant uh, return at the end of the year. I know you. A, a lot of you guys, a lot of you W-2 wage earners see this as, oh, you know, I'm going to make a purchase at the end of the year or I'm going to go on vacation with with this money at the end of the year. But if they're owing you, say, more than $500, you are not claiming the right uh, deduction or the right uh, exemption amount. So you need to talk to a CPA to get um, that number closer. You should, if you're going to save for a big ticket item at the end of the year, do it yourself. You know, make that investment yourself. Set aside I don't know, $200 a month or whatever it is, and benefit yourself rather than benefiting the IRS, okay? All right, so next up on the list is here is a great way you can save on 2016 tax returns, but even even though you're taking action in 2017, and that is to contribute or to open an IRA, Yeah. Did you know that? That you have until April 15 and you can open or contribute and it and the tax savings will come off of last year's taxes. That's a really good one. You need to do that one. Um, Okay. For those of you who are self-employed, you might be able to deduct a home office. Um, you would have to file what's called a Schedule C, which is like a self-employed uh, form for the uh, for the uh, 1040s. And the the bottom line needs to be a positive number. Um, so ask your accountant about you know what's what's the maximum benefit you can get out of uh, deducting your room. All right, next one is business miles. So. Uh, you can keep track with a with a log. You're allowed in 2016 to uh, rack up 54 cents a mile for business miles driven, and now they have apps that make it super easy to keep track of your miles. I think it's like GPS oriented, where you don't have to write it down anymore. That is just keeping track of of uh, where you're going. All right, so there's there's a lot of different things you can do. Look into it. Call it. Call a CPA, your local CPA, and we thank you uh, each and every time for joining us here on the Men's Advocate Show. Join us live each and every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. If you happen to have missed us live, then catch us on my mobile app and on demand at SoundCloud and TuneIn. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week on the Men's Advocate Show. <laughs> 